0: Anna, <laughs> Mitty. Hey,
1: I had no idea. I can't even see it from the outside. my watch. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to First Baptist Church on this balmy Sunday morning in September. We are so glad that you are here today to praise the Lord, to worship with each other as God's church. So please stand with us and let's praise his name together.
2: and blessed be the Lord when it's overcast and sprinkling and blessed be the Lord when it's perfect 72-degree weather and blessed be the Lord when it's muggy and not warm and you're sitting next to 42 people and can't get in a good breath of fresh air, it seems like. Hey, praise the Lord when the church is full and praise the Lord when it's not. Just blessed be the name of the Lord. What do you say about that, huh? Amen. Amen. Good to have you all here. Man, Jamie and Liz are here all the way from Bahrain. You... You guys need a sweater or a jacket or anything? It's, here. it's kind of freezing here, yeah. So, you know, everything's kind of relative, you know what I mean? So, <laughs> praise the Lord. Good to see you guys, man. Good to have you here. Hey, one of our attendees who always is online watching us, either Facebook or YouTube, by the way, if you're watching that way, thank you. But she watches all the time. And for the last, since Maui burned, uh, Lahaina burned, they've been looking for her brother-in-law, they found him this week, and he's alive. Wow. <clears throat> so we give God all the praise all right. for that. <clears throat> I got to tell you, some people's faith was wavering when it was like four or five weeks. I'll not say who, but anyhow, I'm glad he was found alive. So we praise him, the Lord for that. And we had a great day. Okay, I'm going to ask you to be seated because I feel talky right now.
1: <laughs> I, feel talk-y. I didn't
2: have any more coffee than I normally do, I promise you. So <laughs> All right, so yesterday we had a tremendous Men of Resolution ceremony right here at First Baptist Church. It was incredible. And uh, I would like the three the three guys, let's see, no, was there four guys who did it yesterday from our church, right? Seven. Huh? Seven. Seven, but they weren't all from our guys. They weren't all from our church, were they? Were they? All right, let's do this. Let's have the guys who who did the men of resolution for this last 17-week discipleship study, would you stand right now? Just stand up for a moment. We want to recognize you. And remain standing for just a moment. Remain standing. And... I'm going to tell you something. These resolutions, I should have brought one and read it to you because they're amazing uh, what these guys have committed to uh, and, and being faithful to their families, faithful to their God, faithful to their church, and I, it did a preacher's heart good, and I appreciate all of you guys. Now, the ones who have been through men of resolution in the past, along with these guys, would you stand up? Let's see how many more we have that have been. I know we got Paul, and uh, yeah, uh, Okay. All right. Now, wait, wait, wait. wait, 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 wait. Remain standing, man. Remain standing. Now, Women of Resolution has also been held here. So those who have been through Women of Resolution, would you stand up? And let's give them a hand. Now, here's what we're going to do. We're going to have men of resolution, women of resolution coming up. I promise you it's a, it's a worthwhile venture, and I hope that everyone here will make the. I would love it if every church member would go through those programs. That would be a tremendous thing. So let's do this right now. Let's, let's, uh, you guys can be seated, but let's go ahead and go to the Lord in a word of prayer. Our Father, we're so grateful and thankful for the blessings that you've given to us. Lord, you're amazing. You just absolutely amaze us every single day. The grace the mercy that you pour out, the love that you have for us that would cause you to give your only begotten son to die on that cross, the horrible death for us. Lord, we thank you for it. Thank you that Michael was found safe. And uh, Lord, I pray that you would continue to help people to be found safe and alive and pray that you might encourage a lot of people by that. Lord, we thank you for these men and women of resolution who've determined not to just drift through life, not to Uh, not not to just kind of go through uh, without giving serious thought to what you have for them and what you want for them, but they've determined and they've spent time and they have committed to being men and women of spiritual resolution, and I thank you for that. God, may there be more here, I pray. Thank you for Ed and Laura's new little grandbaby and the safe delivery of that little grandbaby, and Lord, we just uh, we just love you so much and appreciate all that you do for us. We pray your blessings upon us, and we'll thank you for all you're going to continue to do in Jesus' name, and all the people said, <clears throat> amen. All right, if you are a visitor today for the first time here at First Baptist Church, would you please take one of the connection cards in the seat back in front of you, Fill that out. Turn it in where our members put their tithes and offerings in the little brown box in the back by the double doors. Uh, just go ahead and put this card filled out, and we will get you a Starbucks card, gift card. If you don't like Starbucks gift cards, you can give it to me. But otherwise, <clears throat> just a hint, uh, just a suggestion. But no, we, we'd love to give you one of these, please, so fill that out for us. Today, there's an event at the AMC Theaters in Mission Va- Fashion Valley. Mission Valley, huh? <clears throat> Fashion Valley, okay. Fashion Valley, called the Hill Christian movie. It's a great one. Uh, it's a two fifty AMC <laughs> Fashion Valley. I've got written down Mission Valley. You sure about that, Annabelle? Okay. All right. <clears throat> All right. So uh, you can get your tickets online, and you can meet over there uh, at that particular theater. Then Saturday, we're going to have a Ministry of Active Care at Rolling Hills Ranch, <clears throat> 850 Duncan Ranch Road Chula Vista at 10:30. the information is in your bulletin. It's also online. You can check that out. Next Sunday, would you be praying for Pat and myself? We're gonna be out of town. We're gonna be hitting the road this week, driving up to Clovis because it's getting so cold here. Uh, We wanted to get some nice warm weather. And so we'll be driving up there and I'll be preaching next Sunday at a friend's church in Clovis, and then we have a national preacher's meeting, and I'll be emceeing on Monday night. So be praying for us. We're going to try to beat feet back and be back by Wednesday because our granddaughter's wedding is on Thursday. But her daddy will be here preaching next Sunday. So my son-in-law, Matt Ortiz, will be preaching. So I hope you'll come and give him uh, your support. By being here and being faithful. Then sign up for new member class. That's uh, formulating very, very soon. Darlene and Annabelle, would you come right now? They have a special announcement or two, maybe. I'm not sure. We'll find out. At least one. Annabelle, what you got? It's been a busy week, Annabelle. <laughs>
3: I'm not used to this one talking. Um, Good morning. Um, Every year uh, First Baptist Church has a Halloween outreach outside and I've been blessed to be uh, a part of that for the last three years. This year will be the fifth one. And um, last year and the year before that, I know that we ordered a thousand hot dogs and we passed out a thousand hot dogs and we passed out over 500 Bibles, and we passed out 1,000 Bible tracks. Because everybody who comes in the line to get a piece of candy gets a Bible track. So we were able to reach 1,000 people. And, you know, as God doesn't let us know how far that really reaches out, you know, because you don't know how you know, something that you say or do can trickle out into the community. <clears throat> and uh, so the event is on Halloween night itself, and many of you before, have you volunteered before? If you have, raise your hand, yay. And if you've donated candy before, that's something that we need. We need volunteers. The event itself is from 4 to 8 p.m. I'll be here really early to start setting up, so if you want to help then, you can. And then teardown is about an hour after. And um, we are just really blessed to be able to do this event. And I, we have some sign-up sheets that um, I'm going to pass out for each side. And thank you. And, so, and at the top of the sign-up sheet is like hot dogs, Bible tracks, candy, and things like that. So if you have something specific that you want to do, uh, we do ask that we have a few people out there sharing the gospel, too, And um, that's it. We just uh, really need volunteers and candy, and we're beginning a little early. So thank you for your time.
2: Candy, set up. Be here for the event. Costumes, I just ask you not to do anything gory, weird, or, you know, kind of pseudo-spiritual. Stay, you know, Bible characters, good. George Washington, if you want to look like him. Uh, I mean, you know, maybe stuff like that. A nurse, a doctor. Don't dress up like a preacher either, because that's really scary. That scares a lot of people off, so (laughs) don't do that. But otherwise, we'd love to have you participate in that. Now, also, uh, and we'll tell you more about it later on, we're going to have a churchwide picnic on the 8th of October, which is right after Sunday. We've got the park reserved up here, so we'll go up there, kick all the kids out that are already there, not, not, not really, uh, we'll set up and we'll have our picnic uh, for First Baptist Church. So we hope you'll come and be part of that, plan on being part of it. Let's stand together as we continue to worship the Lord. think of that verse, I'm running to your arms. My mind went to a Philip, Craig's, and Dean song. It talks about the day my father ran because the father was watching for the prodigal. And when he caught a glimpse of him, he ran to his son. So we don't just run by ourselves. He runs to us. Thank God for his love for us, and his reaching out to us. When we were lost and undone, he found us, convicted us of our sins, provided salvation. I hope you're trusting him today. Father, I pray, oh God, that we would be faithful to you today. God, I pray that you would be glorified, and as you have been in the singing, that you'd be glorified in the preaching, that you'd be glorified in the teaching of the word of God to the kids. Lord, I pray that you would be all over this building today, We thank you for it in Jesus name. Amen. to ask the kids come forward, First Baptist Church, kiddos, boys and girls, come out to the front, moms and dads, grandparents, aunts, uncles, cousins, everybody else who's in the auditorium. Matthew chapter five verse nine for the lesson today. But for the kids right now, uh, First Baptist Church, I want to find out something. How many of, you, how many of you are brothers? How many of you are brothers? Okay, a couple of you. How many are sisters? I want, I have two brothers. You have two brothers, and that makes you a sister, a right? I you have, have some brothers. You have six sisters, yes, okay, two and two brothers. I have six brothers. You have six. Ryan, I need to talk to you, buddy. All right, so we have brothers and sisters, and, and brothers and sisters are very, very important because in 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 11, do you know what God tells you who are brothers and you who are sisters? He says you're to be happy and joyful. He says you're to grow up being wise about everything. He says you're to encourage each other, and you're, live, you're to live in peace with each other. How many of you live in peace with your brothers and sisters? How many? Okay, all right, I'll take your words for it, yeah. You know what, if we do the things God tells us to do, we could be at peace with our brothers and sisters and we could be at peace with people in our neighborhood and we can be at peace with people at church and we could be at peace with people that we go to school with that we work with so that's your job that's your challenge to be a peacemaker that's what I'm be preaching on to everybody in the congregation here so I want you to be a peacemaker let's pray boys and girls let's pray father we thank you for each boy and each girl up here today we pray that you would protect them and guide them lord we know that one of the best ways you lead them is through your word so as we give them these stickers that have verses i pray that the words might stick not only on the paper and whatever they put it on but the words would stick on their hearts and their minds in jesus name we pray and all the kids said amen Amen. all right pick up for miss pat and miss debbie what's your choice would be in the way of verses and stickers there you go yeah i bet they're all peacemakers at home huh yeah with brothers and sisters all right This is the third message in a series within a series. I'm in a big series and have been for most of the year on the life of Christ, but I've been in what has developed as a little series within this bigger series on the Sermon on the Mount. So far, we've cited Jesus' words of blessing on the poor and those that mourn and the meek and they that hunger and thirst after righteousness and the merciful and the pure in heart. Today, I intend to cover the last of the seven blesseds. Some people think there are eight blessed, and we'll talk about that in just a moment. Uh, but the text today is Matthew chapter five, verse nine, where it says, "Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God." Peacemaker, peaceful, peace. The word itself uh, sounds good. Psalms calming, sounds psalms, psalms reassuring. Uh, sounds like something that we want. Sounds like something this world desperately needs. Can you imagine how much the Ukrainians want peace today? Can you imagine how much the Soviet troops would like to have peace today? Can you imagine uh, people whose homes, lives, and everything else is falling apart? Can you imagine those people who didn't get the good news about their loved one being found safe in Maui yet? Can you imagine how much they would long to have peace? And yet, abiding peace is almost unheard of in our world. The United States has been in one war after another for most of our existence. Some say we've been at war uh, for the whole 247 years. It's been said that peace is that glorious brief moment in history when everyone stops to reload. That's unfortunately probably true. The United Nations was founded and born with the goal in mind of helping to establish peace as was the League of Nations before that. Uh, after World War One, and yet since its inception in 1945, there's not been a single day of global peace, despite all the Miss USA contests, desires, and in, in the whole world. <laughs> there's not been world peace one single day uh, on this earth. And by the way, how many remember that World War Two was called the war to end all wars? Huh? Yeah. So you who lived long enough to know that, or you who were taught history when they used to teach history in our schools. Indeed, others claim that the U.S. has only had two generations of peace, one of them in 1815 to 1846, the other right after the American Civil War, 1865 to 1898, but even then we were at conflict with the Native Americans uh, on our own soil. So the theme of peace is not only an elusive goal Of nations in this world in which we live that's so fraught with turmoil, it's also equally elusive as a spiritual uh, attribute or characteristic in an individual's lives. Everything began great in the garden. I don't know how long it lasted. I'm not sure how long Adam and Eve were in the garden before they chose to disobey God, but everything was great. It was perfect in every single word, in every sense of the word. And then something happened, and it's not been perfect since. In fact, it's been very, very broken, very, very troubled. And, and one day in heaven it'll be back to being great again, but right now, not so much. So far we've talked about the promises of the beatitudes. So happy or satisfied in God are the bankrupt, those who are spiritually poor and realize their need for God. Happy are the sad, those who mourn the, over their own ungodly sin, and they will be comforted. Uh, happy are the humble and the gentle. Happy are the hungry and thirsty, those who hunger and thirst after Almighty God. Happy are the merciful those who show mercy to others and happy are the pure in heart. Today, blessed or deeply happy and content are the peacemakers, the ones who work for peace, for they shall be called the children of God, connoting a unique relationship to God. So what is a peacemaker? That's not a pacemaker although that may be comforting to some of you who (laughs) need to have one. Certainly, if I needed to have one, that would make me feel better about life. Nor is it the Colt single-action Army six-shooter, so named in the early days of the Wild West. But the Greek word, and I'm going to butcher it. If you know Greek, please don't correct me. It's rather. It's tough to pronounce, but rich in meaning. It has the idea of one who keeps the peace or reconciles those Who are in conflict. So there's a twofold dimension to that: keeping the peace, personal responsibility, and then reconciling those who are in conflict. It's the fruit of two different qualities: that of righteousness, and we know already from our previous studies here that righteousness only comes from God. We have no righteousness of our own. We our righteousness are like filthy rags, according to Isaiah. So righteousness, it's of God. Wisdom, we know that comes from God. Uh, man's There's a way that seems right unto the man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. So wisdom and righteousness both come from God and are produced in communion with God the Father. So I ask you this question, is peace the absence of conflict? Is that all it is? Peace is the absence of conflict. John MacArthur says, there's no strife in the cemetery, uh, but it's not a model of peace. So evidently, despite the... RIPs, you know, the rest in peace. <clears throat> uh, there's, that's, not, that's not what peace really is. There is the presence of righteousness, and you and I are to bring God's righteousness into our everyday lives. That's why it's important, men of resolution, that you determine you're going to live your life a certain way. And women of resolution, that you're going to determine that you're going to treat your husbands the way the Bible says and treat your children the right way and be a godly influence and guys you're going to protect and, uh, and be willing to, to die for. I love that part. Be willing to die for your bride. I told my wife yesterday on the way home after that ceremony, I've got several scenarios in my brain. I'm pretty sure if an active shooter comes in, he's not going to make it to Pat. I'm pretty sure of that. So, uh, and hopefully some of you will help me. Uh, but- <laughs> But if you don't, uh, I'm going to take care of my bride. I'll tell you that right now. So uh, Ephesians 2.14 says, For Christ himself has brought peace to us. He unites Jews and Gentiles into one people when in his own body on the cross he broke down the wall of hostility that separated us. There should be no anti-Semitism in the life of a born-again child of God. There should be love for the people of Israel. There should be love for people, period, but especially people of Israel who are blessed and chosen by God to be called his people. Jesus is the Prince of Peace, according to Isaiah 9, 6, and peace is attainable when we know him. If you came in this morning and there's turmoil in your soul and there's there's all kinds of anxiety going on and different things happening, don't worry about anything, the Bible says. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God that you need, what you need, and thank him for all he's done. Then you will experience God's peace which extends which exceeds rather anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing, Paul says, Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and just and lovely and admirable. Think about these things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all that you've learned and received from me. Everything you heard from me and saw in me do, then, then the God of peace will be with you. And I'm going to tell you something. I am this morning, and I may not always be, but I am this morning practicing this very thing, and I am at peace. I'm at peace with my neighbor who had a mariachi band in his backyard until 5.30 this morning with amplifiers, tubas, trumpets, singers, you know. And my near neighbor, I love you. If you're watching knock it off at about 11. You know what I'm saying? But you know what? I—I just We saw it coming. Pat said that she saw the trace. She said, oh, no. Oh. I said, no, surely not. No, surely not. So I just decided, you know what? I'm going to be at peace with my neighbor. Now, other times I thought about doing things, <laughs> things that a preacher ought not think about doing to someone else, but things that could get me in trouble. But this time I just went to a guest bedroom and crashed and only woke up twice at 2.30. I thought, well, I'll go back if they're through. They weren't. I didn't. 5.30, they were loading the trailer back up. I went back into my bedroom. That's that fine. Yeah, so I slept for like an hour. I'm in good shape, but I have peace about it. I'm not cracking up yet. I'm, I might a little bit later. Now, what peace is not? Peace is not a truce. That's not the same thing. Ukraine has had truces, right? They they had a couple of truces, and, and there were still shots being fired, still things going on. Peace is not a truce. A truce is when you put down your weapons for a little while. True peace is the result of conflict being restored. And if you're not at peace with someone, if it's something you've done, you owe it to them to go to them and to make peace. And that was part of the resolution, was it not, in the men, men of resolution? And by the way, if they've wronged you, it's okay for you to go to them and make things right anyhow. It's all right to do that. They may not cooperate or whatever, but, uh, but it's, not just, uh, it, it, it's not just a truce. How, how many of you ever, watch, you'll admit it, you watch Ultimate Fighting? Nobody but me. Uh, <laughs> I think it's awful. I think it's brutal. I think it's terrible. I think they ought to pass a law against it, and if they do, I'll quit watching it. But, uh, but you you see some guy beat another guy to a pulp, and then after the thing's over, they'll hug each other like they're best friends, you know? And I'm like, same thing happens in football games sometimes, Jamie, sometimes. Uh, and, and they act like they're best, best friends that real peace doesn't follow unless the real issues are dealt with. There has to be resolution, and you know if something's been resolved or not. You know if there's something still hanging in the air. Guys, if you say to your wife, what's wrong? And she said, nothing. <laughs> you know something's wrong. You better figure out what it is. Uh, and so th- there's got to be resolution. Sometimes there's not open battle in the home, but there's Cold War going on. And Cold War, I grew up in Cold War times. I grew up when, they, you know, they would sound sirens and you'd crawl under your desk like that's going to help, you know, when... It, an atomic bomb hits on your school or whatever. It's not so much what's said or done in some homes, but what's not said and not done that matters. Sometimes conflict is driven uh, underground, but it's there and it festers like, a, like an infection. It just continues to, to fester <clears throat> and, and it can erupt at any slight provocation. A peace, real peace, occurs when the problems are faced, when they're conquered, when they're forgiven. And when they're put away for good. Now I'm gonna tell you something. There are some things that happen that you cannot forget what happened, nor is it wise even to forget what happened. But I know of no situations that arise that without that with Christ's help we cannot forgive people. You've seen people in the courtroom whose <clears throat> the defendant was found guilty of murdering their loved one or loved ones. And you've seen and heard people stand up and say, I, I, I miss my love. one. I, I love them so much, but I want you to know I forgive you. Now, I think that's an incredible act of mercy on the part of someone who's trying to do what God has told them to do. The wisdom that's from above is first pure, then peaceable. Uh, Follow peace with all men in holiness, Hebrews says. Real peace can never be divorced from God's righteousness. They go together. Psalm 8510, righteousness and peace have kissed each other. You don't have righteousness, you're not going to have peace. You don't have peace, you're not going to have righteousness. Now, here's what can happen. Here's a paradox. After saying all that I've said so far about peace, here's a paradox. Jesus' words, in Matthew 10, 34, our Lord said, Think not, I'm come to send peace on the earth. I came not to send peace, but a sword. Preacher, how do you reconcile that with what we've talked about so far about peace? And As much as we want to avoid strife, sometimes living for God brings it forward, brings strife forward. Have you ever been brought face-to-face with questionable business practices where you work? You were made aware of them. What are you going to do about it? You're going to go along with it? <clears throat> something dishonest, something deceitful, something immoral? <clears throat> are you going to you're going to just acquiesce and, and be quiet, and not say anything? What about family members that are being unwise in some of the choices they've made? What about friends involved in unrighteousness? Are you do you care enough about them to tell them and to talk with them? What about pressure to compromise your convictions? What about pressure to affirm that which God condemns? Folks, that's gonna be a hot button for a lot of us and it already is for several of you to affirm what God condemns. We must not sacrifice truth in order to avoid conflict because that won't be peace, but it'll be a truce where people are simply reloading. Jesus didn't come to the earth to bring peace at any cost. It is not true that better red than dead uh, should be our slogan. It is not true. There are things worse than being dead, especially if you're a child of God, because being dead means you're in heaven with the Lord. It involves bringing truth into a world that loves lies. Have you ever thought you would live in an age when lies are told so frequently and so obviously they are lies and and, and people just say them in the face of all kinds of evidence that they are lies, but they just keep saying them? Have you ever thought you'd live in a country like that? The world has itching ears and they love to be scratched. Planned Parenthood controversy is a great example. By the way, we're pro-life. I have never bombed uh, a Planned Parenthood building. I've never anticipated bombing a building. I I have prayed outside of of Planned Parenthood facilities, and uh, I have uh, prayed for people and and counseled people and so on, but uh, we're to be careful how we deport ourselves as children of God. We're not to resort to the kind of things that those who don't believe in truth and don't believe in God's righteousness would employ. That's not our responsibility. We need to watch our rhetoric, our tone. Any conflict should be the result of truth confronting lies, not our temperament being inserted into the situation. So what then do we do in such cases? Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you, Jude says, of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write to you and exhort you that you should earnestly, what? Contend for the faith. Which was once delivered unto the saints. Christians are not to be contentious about, are to be contentious when it comes to certain things. Biblical marriage is between a man and a woman. That's biblical marriage. Are there legal marriages that are otherwise? Yeah, and now because of the laws. But a biblical marriage is a man and a woman joined together in a covenant relationship, protecting the innocent. There is no one more innocent then these little babies that you carried, Annabelle, that others have in this room, and that others, some have in the nursery, and, and the location of the baby, whether it's still in the womb or whether it's in your arms, should not determine whether that baby lives or dies. That baby should live. We need to protect innocent life. We're, we're in a battle like you can't believe right now. Since Dobbs was overturned and 1973 bad law was done away with, We actually have entered into a more treacherous time because several states have voted more pro-abortion than pro-life in installing judges, in uh, passing laws. Uh, What was the most recent one? Ohio. Ohio just passed the law. The the pro-life people were trying to keep the state constitution from being able to be changed with 50% plus one, which is what the Constitution says, that would make it very easy for pro-abortion people to write into the Constitution of the state of Ohio, uh, every woman has a right to abortion. Well, it didn't succeed for the pro-life crowd. It succeeded for the pro-abortion crowd. So a vote coming up in November is pretty well determined how that's going to go based on that, unless God intervenes. Standing for biblical morality is the right thing to do. Advocating the lordship of Jesus Christ is absolutely uh, worth contending for. The veracity of the word of God. This is the word of God. This is the word of God. Uh, I I was challenged by uh, someone I love dearly, challenged on Facebook about this being the word of God and about uh, all the contradictions in it. And I, and I stand before you today after being in the ministry for over 50 years, I stand before you today saying, no one, not one person has ever shown me a single contradiction in this book that's supposed to be so full of them. Not one, not one. There are perceived, uh, what what do you call them? Perceived contradictions, but no, no real contradictions. Contradictions—they're all explainable. They're all understandable, Uh, and so the veracity of the Word of God—the Word—it is God's Word. Loving God, we ought to contend for the the whole idea and the principle of loving God. That's the first and the most important. Commandments, love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and soul, mind, and strength. And then loving others. We are directed to love others. It doesn't matter what their skin color is. It doesn't matter what their nationality is. It doesn't matter what their education level is. It doesn't matter what part of the country they came from. It doesn't, it doesn't matter what they think of us. We're to love people. So this idea of contending for the faith and living in a hostile world, no different from the time that Noah lived in, right? Right? The whole world was destroyed because of how contentious they were. So it was so in the days of Elijah. It was so in the days of Isaiah and Jonah and Daniel and Jeremiah and John the Baptist and Jesus. So by the way, they crucified him and Stephen and Paul and John and Peter, and do you see a trend here? You stand for truth. You stand for this book. You stand for the deity of Jesus Christ. You stand for the Trinity, God, the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. You stand for the literal physical resurrection. You stand for the second coming of Jesus Christ. You stand for these things, and and the world's going to try to uh, marginalize you, try to make you look like some kind of a a (laughs) nutcase. same was true for all the prophets. Ezekiel constantly did battle. All of them did battle. Conflict will come when people are convicted by the truth of the gospel. A lot of times, people's conflict is not with us. It's with the word of God. It's with what we stand for. It's with what we believe that's their real problem. That's their real conflict. So Jesus said also, suppose you that I'm come to give peace on earth? No, I tell you, rather division, for from henceforth there shall be five in the, one house and divided three against two and two against three. The father shall be divided against the son and the son against the father and the mother against the daughter and the daughter against the mother. And you get the idea, the mother-in-law against the father and so on and so forth. And, and so true peace comes only when the truth rules and reigns and God's righteousness is poured into the equation and applied evenly. What are the enemies of peace? Since the essence of peace is righteousness and truth, the obvious enemies of peace are sin and falsehood, sin and lies. Jeremiah said, the human art is most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. Who knows how bad it really is? Isaiah said, there is no peace for the wicked. A lot of times that's misquoted and said, there is no rest for the wicked. Some wicked get a lot of rest, especially if they don't have a mariachi band play until five thirty. I'm not bitter. I, I'm fi- I'm 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 fine with it. i I hope he does it again sometime when he moves. Uh, Jeremiah said, "The errant Jewish they, the errant Jewish prophets and priests, offer sacr- superficial treatments for my people's mortal wound. They give us assurances of peace when there is no." peace peace. Jesus, it's not that, not that which goes inside of you that defiles you. It's what comes out. And when we stir up and when we cause problems and when we gossip and when we, when we attack verbally or otherwise, that's what out of the person's heart come evil thoughts and sexual immorality and thefts and murders and adulteries and greed and wickedness and deceit and lustfulness and and envy and slander and pride and foolishness. All these vile things come from within. They are what defile you, Jesus said. You know, it it all started with a simple lie. Do you know that? All this brokenness, all this stuff we put, it started with a lie. God said, in the day you eat thereof, you shall surely die. And Satan said, no, you won't. No, you you won't. He just doesn't want you to eat of that tree because then you'll become as gods and you'll know the difference in good and evil. You'll become like him and he doesn't want that to happen. You're not gonna die. And they immediately died spiritually. And they physically died. But before that, they had a son that was murdered by their other son. And so it went from there what a lack of terrible what a terrible lack of peace the single lie produced immediate spiritual death fear of god adam and eve who had walked in the garden with god hid themselves lying to god hard work by the sweat of the brow by the way work was not the penalty for Adam, it was hard work, labor by the sweat of the brow. God put him in the garden to take care of the garden before there was a fall into sin. There's nothing wrong with work. I say it again. Some of you military guys, you, uh, you, you said, "Well, I, I said of uh, the police department last week, I think, but I was, uh, walked in to to report to the uh, watch commander." Somebody said, uh, "How you doing today?" I'll be doing good in seven years and nine months looking forward to when he's going to retire. Let me tell you something. Retirement is highly overrated. You better find something to do. Because if you just sit around, it gets really boring in about 72 hours. In about 72 hours, you've done everything you wanted to do when you were going to retire. And it's like, what do I do now? So I came here and started preaching. So... So work is not the problem. We're to work. We're to labor. That's what God tells us to do, to work and to labor. But hard work by the sweat of the brow. Childbirth was not a curse. Childbirth with great pain and much pain and much more prolifically, uh, that was the, the, the consequence. Strife between husbands and wives. It's right there in, in Genesis chapter 3, the, 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 the kind of uh, what's wrong, honey? Nothing. Uh, That kind of stuff started right there in in Genesis 3. Um, More murder after that, more strife after that, more disobedience after that, more and more unrest and more lack of peace. Having worked in a psychiatric ward for a few years, yes, I did work there, Chuck. I had keys. Uh, They were plastic, but they told me they would work. Having worked there, I I am convinced that a lack of personal peace for a lot of people comes from either one, not knowing biblical truth and making unwise decisions based on unwise principles. Secondly, not living in the biblical truth that we do know. Going against the biblical truth that we do know. That's the danger for, for you who know Christ is to reject the truth that you know because you'd rather do something else. Ignoring the clear commands of God. There's a way that seems right unto man, the end thereof of the ways of death. Reacting in fear, anger, or lack of faith. Phil, where are you? Phil? Yeah. God is God when you're on the mountains. God is God when you're where? In the valleys. God is just God. Always he's God. And always he's good. And I believe and I can't give you a chapter and verse on this necessarily, but an unsaved person, I think, cannot have true abiding peace. I think there's turmoil that can't be resolved while a person is unsafe. There's enough turmoil for, people, for those of us who have the Holy Spirit living with us and believe in God, and God is the solution to the lack of peace that we have. Nor can an unsaved person be an effective peacemaker. Now, they might be able to help a little bit, but I don't know they're going to be that effective. And a Christian cannot be effective peacemaker until the Beatitudes reign in his life or her life. So again, you must become as a beggar before God. You must mourn over your sinfulness and repent of it. You must become meek. You must hunger and thirst after him. You must receive his mercy. You must become pure in your heart. And then you may become a peacemaker, but then the world will not accept you. And that's why the next verse that we're going to talk about in two weeks is blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake. And some people would say this is the eighth blessed or the eighth beatitude. Others would say, well, no, this is the consequence of the the first seven. So if you live the first seven, the promise you have is people are going to persecute you. Isn't that great? Live for God, you're going to be persecuted. Yay. Sign me up. Where's that sign-up sheet? I want to be persecuted. We're a nation hooked on tranquilizers when Jesus wants to be your capital T trans, tranquilizer. He wants to be the one who gives you peace. So who's the real maker of peace? 1 Corinthians fourteen thirty-three. for God is not the author of confusion but of peace. Romans 15, now the God of who? Peace. Say peace. 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 Hebrews 13, 20, now the God of? Peace. There you go. A couple of you woke up, all right. Yeah. Ephesians 2, 14, for he is our? Peace. That's right. And Colossians 1, 20, having made? Peace. Through the blood of, of the cross, he reconciled all things unto himself. I read a sad story, a little a little short story, there was a contentious divorce proceeding going on, and a little four-year-old child was sitting there in the room with his mom and his dad, and he took his father's hand and his mother's hand and joined them together. That's what Jesus wants to do for us. He joined our hand with the father's, and he wants to join our hands with others as he gives us peace. Have you been reconciled with God? Or do you, and do you have peace with him? Are you a peacemaker or do you stir up contention in your home, in your workplace, in your school, in your neighborhood, on Facebook? Will you endeavor to be a peacemaker, employing the righteousness and the wisdom of God? Home, work, and play will be better places. If we do, would you bow your heads with me, please? How many of you, with every head bowed, every eye closed, how many would say, preacher, I know, I know intimately well the God of peace. I know him as my personal God, my personal Savior, and I know that I'm not, I, I don't have lack of peace about that. I know Christ is my Lord and my Savior. With every head bowed, would you slip your hand up high and hold it up for just for a moment? God bless you folks, so many. Okay, you can put your hands down. How many would say, Preacher, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be quite frank with you. I don't have the assurance that I have the God of peace living within me. I don't know for sure that I'm God's child. I don't know that I've been adopted into his family. And I want you to pray for me. I won't mention your names. I won't point you out. Just If that's you, with every head bowed, every eye closed, raise your hand up real high for just a moment. God, pray for me. Preacher, pray for me. I'm not sure. God bless you. God bless you. Other others, anyone else? Our Father in heaven, I pray Your blessings upon us, Lord. I thank You that You sent Your Son to die that awful death on the cross, so that so that we could have eternal life, so that we could live in a place of perfect peace, a place we've never lived in yet, because we've only known a world of turmoil and strife and war. Conflict. Division. But Lord, I pray that you'd help every single person here to know you as their Savior. If you'd like to know Christ as your Savior, would you pray to him right now where you're seated? Would you pray, dear God, I know that I'm a sinner. I know I'm going to stand before you one day. I believe that Jesus is your son and he died for me on the cross and he rose again on the third day. And I want to ask you, Lord, to come into my heart, my life, and my mind, to come to me. Save me. Forgive me of my sins. Be my God right now. In Jesus' name. With every head bowed one more time, if you just prayed that prayer, would you lift your hand up for just a moment? Hold it up for just a moment. Preacher, I just prayed that prayer, and I meant it. God bless you. God bless you. Thank you. God bless you. God loves you. Oh, man, he loves you so much. Would you stand with us, please, as we're going to sing a verse of invitation, or maybe two verses. If you need to come forward to ask for prayer, if you need to come to say, hey, I, I prayed that prayer and received Christ as my Savior today, and you feel led of God to do that. If you want to join the church and be baptized, we can plan on that in the future. But whatever it is that you need to do, this is the opportunity for you to do it. Would you leave your seat? People will gladly step aside and come down to the front, and I'll pray with you. I'll meet you right down here. So as they sing, come ahead right now. right now. Come on. Listen to God. Oh, Lamb of God, I I come. One more verse just for you. Come on. God richly bless you this rest of the Lord's Day. We're so glad that you're in God's house today. Thank you for being here, Jamie and Liz. So good to see you guys again. And uh, Debbie, would you like to dismiss us in a word of prayer? And then you wanted to say something. And, and I want to say one more thing before she does. Uh, sound crew need to meet in the adult room right over here as soon as we can get together right after this service. So if you can do that, I'd appreciate it. This is Debbie.
1: Hi, I'm Debbie. <laughs> She's Debbie. Debbie. Um, I wanted to say a couple things. One, uh, I was really heartened by um, all of the um, folks who stood up for the uh, courageous um, uh, the resolution that you took. <laughs> Thank you. And uh, you know what I what I observed from up here was that we had some older folks, right? We had a lot of older parents, and all of us know with adult children know that you it it actually gets harder. I think when they're adults than and when they're at home but I, I did want to say younger men and women I want to just really encourage you and challenge you to take that on now while your kids are easy and they're loving you and you're just the light in their world uh, they're going <laughs> to become teenagers and that's going to change and this is now the time to start laying that foundation don't wait until the challenges come take these classes now. Um, read the Bible and how you're supposed to deal with your children now because it will really um, help you when you get to those teenage years. Do it ahead of time. Don't wait. Um, The second thing I want to say is um, it's about two years. It's almost, it's a month shy of two years since I lost my husband. Um, We were married for uh, almost 25 years and a preacher married us. And So we've gotten to know uh, Preacher and Pat over the years, and their marriage was the model for our marriage. Um, As a matter of fact, when things would go astray, my husband liked to say, is that what Pat would say to Jim? (laughs) And... (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And... uh, But I will say that Brian and Preacher were a lot alike. So we would go to them for counseling, and I will say that... Um, talking to either of them, if you talk to them in counseling, I mean, a lot of times you go to counseling and you're f- afraid that someone's going to take your side. He never took sides. He always just wanted the best for us. And they both just speak so easily and non-judgmental, They've heard it all. And so now, as I think most of you know, they've written a book um, called Summer of Love, Winter Edition. It's, and it reads just the way they talk. Um, very easy very light very real um, and uh, and they're just very um, they're just very honest with who they are and uh, preacher i appreciate you and pat in my life so much thank you for your encouragement but their book is it's for sale i believe they have some here today one for fifteen dollars two for 25. And, or you can buy them on Amazon, but if you buy them here, they're signed and uh, they'll be out front and they'll sign books for you um, and personalize them for you if you wish after the services. <sighs> Father God, I just want to thank you for this church and this place that um, you've brought me and all these people to. Um, nothing's a coincidence, Lord, you plan everything and uh, just what a blessing um, that That we have preacher and Pat, and we have this example um, of just a godly couple who just genuinely love each other, Lord. And I pray that you would just strengthen all the marriages and relationships here today, whether they're fresh and young or they're they're in their winter editions, Lord, and just keep that renewed love within them, Lord. Bless us as we go. Out today. Bless us throughout our week, Lord, and just remember that we are to love you every single day in Jesus' name. Amen.
2: Amen. God bless you. Have a great rest of the Lord's day. Thank you, Debbie.